Father in heaven, we just want to say thank you for the opportunity to be together today and to worship you. And Lord, that's today's the first day I've ever heard this song. And God, I'm just so thankful for the opportunity to, to hear new music and new words that's written down on pen and paper that just lift your name high and elevate and cry out to make you the center and the focus of our lives. As every one of us sits in here today, God, I pray that that would be the cry of our hearts. Lord, that we would desire you to be everything upon which our life operates. God, that, that every decision we make, every choice, every word that comes from our mouth, God, the reason that we get up in the morning and we get out of bed, that it would be because of you. And God, if it's anything short of that, we have to be honest enough with ourselves to say that there's something missing. Father, I pray that you would speak into our hearts and lives today, that you would work and move in an incredible way. Lord, we all need you. We all need you to do something in our lives. We all need you to change us and to help us grow. And Father, I pray that we would be humble enough to let you in today, to let you do that. Jesus, I pray for Mr. Harold Witt. I just lift up Miss Betty Bruce's brother to you. Let's pray for him. Pray for his family. God, we pray for Miss Magdalene. Pastor Gary Long's wife. You know her health issues. And Lord, there's just been so much going on in, in their lives lately. And God, we just pray that you give her a special touch today that she would even be able to make it to her appointment tomorrow morning. As there's been several that she's just not even been able to attend lately. God, that we pray that you would give answers in that situation concerning her health. And Lord, we believe that you are a God who can do all these things. But Father, we know that most of all, the spiritual is the most important. Jesus, we pray that you would bind the spirits that we can't see, the spirits that are holding us hostage in sin and temptations and things that are just distracting us in our lives. God, I pray that you would bind them today. And God, that your Holy Spirit would be allowed to move freely in this place and in our hearts. God, I pray that you would draw us to you. Lord, I know there's people in here this morning. They probably didn't even want to get up and come. And that's okay. But Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw them to you. That you would give them a desire in their life to seek you and to follow you and to surrender to you to make you the center of all things. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to be here today. And we pray all this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. All God's people said, Amen. You may be seated.
Well, it's good to see everybody today. You guys glad to be here? Oh, man, that was tough. That was so tough. You glad to be here? Really? Yeah. Thanks for some fake support. All right. Um, No, I said the past, I said last week that last week's sermon and this week's sermon was going to be the hardest and most painful of the series that we've been doing all summer long, talking about unspoken sins of the church. And I really believe, especially, you know, with last week, we talked about gossip and slander that a lot of Christians really struggle with this and don't realize it. And it's not one of those things we talk about a lot and we really address inside the church. And today is, it's going to be harder than last week. So how many of you is ready for the pain? <laughs> how many of you like pain? No? Nobody's ready? How many of you want to grow? How many of you like legit? Okay, how many of you would literally like say, okay, when I leave here today, I would like to have grown in my relationship with Christ, right? Okay, now, be careful what you ask for because pain comes with growth, right? Like when you're a kid and you're growing, especially when you have growth spurts, there's pain with that. Your body hurts. Now, when you're our, most of our age in here, you're just hurting because we're old and we're not growing anymore, but Growth comes with pain. And whether you go work out, if you go running or you lift weights or whatever it is that you do in life, if you grow, it is painful, all right? And and if you grow like, I mean, you could grow negatively. Like, so if you're just trying to lose weight, even losing weight is painful because you're robbing yourself of something that you desire in order to achieve something better. And so that's painful. Pain comes with growth, and so we have to understand that today. And as we talk about our our subject today, and our topic of today's sermon is self-worship. We're we're at this point in life where, where, where we live in a culture where we elevate ourselves so much, and the world elevates their own personal self so much, that it's really hard to identify whether or not there's anything wrong with it, because it doesn't seem wrong because the world does it. And even inside the church, that we as Christians, we do this more than we would like to admit. And I want to challenge you today, because you're sitting here, you're just like, no, I don't worship myself. Like, that's not me. I'm I'm a humble person. I I just don't do that. Do not count yourself out of this. The attitude that you would even say, not me, I'm humble, I don't do that, like is pointing you in the direction that, you're probably a little more prideful than what you'd like to admit. You with me today? It's going to be painful. It's going to be hard. But if you truly want to grow in your relationship with Christ today, you need to start from this point on in in this message today to say, okay, God, I'm going to be open. I'm going to listen to your word. And I'm I'm, I'm going to make myself available for you to work and move in my life. That's the attitude that we need to have. And if you don't have the attitude, you just wasted your time coming today, right? How many of you like to waste your time? No? All right. Let's be open together. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, Paul writes to Timothy, and he's talking to him about what the last days are going to be like, okay? How many of you kind of feel like, ah, we're living in the last days? Like, you just kind of get that feeling in life, all right? So, so let's look at this. Paul says that you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Times seem difficult. It's really funny. Like, we've gotten more than anybody else in the world has ever had. More food, more clothing, heating, 
AC, like we've got all the amenities that you need in order to survive. We got more than you could ever ask for. And yet things just seem a lot more difficult than what they ever have been, right? Okay, so we're one for one. For people will love only themselves and their money. Right? Does that sound good? All right, that's two for two and three for three. They will be boastful and proud. Most people today seem to be boastful and proud and arrogant. Complimenting themselves, talking about how great they are. Scoffing at God. See a lot of people scoffing at God these days? Yeah, 100% so far. Disobedient to their parents. Mm-hmm. And don't shake your head, parents, because you did the same thing when you was little. Ungrateful. Bunch of ungrateful kids. Ungrateful adults. You know, it's funny, like, we, we, that's one of the things we're, like, trying to... Perry's kind of getting at that age where he's, like, partially beginning to understand things. And he's, like, not satisfied with most things in life because he always wants more or he wants something else. Or he's, like, not... I was like, you need to be thankful for what you have. Like, but it's not just him as a kid. Like, we as adults, like, a lot of times we can be very ungrateful. These are things that are not just present in the world. These are things that are present inside the body of Christ. You with me today? So... In my opinion, we're at 100% so far. They will consider nothing sacred. You look at our culture today, anything sacred anymore? They'll tear it all down. We're living in a world of people that will tear down everything in order to get what they want. They will be unloving and unforgiving. Sound familiar? They will slander others and have no self-control. We're still at 100%. They will be cruel and hate what is good. I saw something. I really need to do some more research on this. But I heard something in Ohio about the way that they're going to do their death penalty in the state of Ohio from this point on. I don't know if it's true or not, so I'm not going to say it. I just want to do some more research on it. But if it is true, then it's like, oh my gosh. They will betray their friends and be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Think we live in a society where people love pleasure rather than God? Arrogant, prideful. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. I want to read that last one again. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. That's something super important we need to understand today is that there's a lot of people who act religious, but they have no interest in the power that can truly make them be who God truly wants them to be. Most people have no interest in that. We want salvation, but we want all the other things that the world has to offer. And this is why in the last days, people are going to act religious. They're going to reject the power that can make them godly and and pursue all the other things. And then he finishes up in verse 5 by saying, stay away from people like that. But what I want us to realize today is that when you read this passage, I mean... You know, every day that we live, we're closer to the second coming of Christ. It's mathematically, it just makes sense, right? Like, you're closer today than you were yesterday. And and I'm not sitting up here this morning saying that you need to be ready, but like when you start reading some of this stuff and you start looking at this passage of Scripture right here and you think about what we're living in, it's like sometimes I just want to get my chair and like 
face the east and just watch and just make sure. Because it's like, man, like this sounds like exactly what we're living in today. And at the same time, we need to like keep keep a good sense about us and know that like these things are pointing to the end and we need to be ready for the end. But the way that we get ready for the second coming of Christ is doing the things that God has called us to do. We don't just pick up our chair and we don't sit and watch the east and wait for it to happen. No, we do the things that God has called us to do to serve him, to make him the God of our life. And then we carry on in that way until he does come, until he returns. But I read this passage because I want you to understand, like we live in a culture where all these things are, are, are very present among us today. And it's really difficult to sit here today and feel like things that we do in our life is wrong because it's not necessarily that all the things that we do are sinful, but it's the attitude in which we pursue them and the place upon which we put them that makes them sinful in our lives. You with me? Is going to work sinful? No, actually the New Testament is very affirming that people should work, that you should go work, and if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Work is good. But if work is your life and you put it above everything else, especially you put it above God, then work becomes sinful. So we as people have a knack for taking even good things and perverting them and making them sinful. You with me today? And as you're sitting in here this morning and we're, we're talking about God's word, we're talking about putting God first and making him the God of our life and not worshiping ourselves, we need to understand that we are naturally prone to sin, right? We're naturally prone to rebel against God. And you can love God. You can have a great experience. Like You could know. You could be sitting in here today and there was a time when you say, I remember when God spoke to me. I remember when he revealed himself to me. I remember when I was saved and how powerful that experience was. And you could know that and follow him and serve him. And at the same time, you know very well how easy it is to be caught up in everyday life and to be distracted by things of the world and to easily fall astray through that process of just living every day. We as people are naturally prone to sin. So let's talk about some points. Let's talk about some of this stuff and just kind of address some issues in most people's lives, even as Christians, in our culture and time today. So, point number one, it's very easy to put ourselves first. Everybody agree with that? It is. It's really easy to put ourselves first. If you argue with that, you don't have much of a leg to stand on. Okay? It is always our first instinct to make ourselves numero uno. To make ourselves, number one, to make sure our needs are met. And if you don't believe me, just ask your spouse or ask your children or ask your parents or your friends or your family or even in your church, your church family, ask them if there's ever been a time where you've put yourself first in life over them or someone else, right? Now think about this. If it's easy for you to put yourself first above people in your life that you know that you love, I mean, think about this. Some of you, you gave life to your children, like you birthed your children. And at the same time, there are times, like me and Hannah talk about this a lot, there are some times where we're just like, I don't care what they do right now, I, I, I need to breathe. Like I just need a break, right? I, I need some me time, Right? Like, you can love them. Like, you, you would be willing to lay down your life for them. And then there are some points in time you're just like, I don't care if they fall off a cliff right now. I just need, I need a break. So it doesn't matter if there's somebody in your life that you can put yourself, like, you can see them, you can touch them, you can, you can hear their voice, you can receive love back from them. 
And if it's tempting for you to put yourself first above them, not necessarily all the time, but just in circumstances, then you have to be willing to understand that when it comes to God, for a heavenly father that you can't always see, you can't always feel, you can't always hear, that it would be easy for you to put yourself above a God that you don't always have those same senses met in your life, right? Because we can all say, like, I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt in my own personal life that God is real. I can remember times where I felt he's spoken to me. I can remember times where I felt him convict me in my life. I've seen him do miracles. I've seen him do amazing things in my life. There's not a shadow of doubt in my mind that God is real. But there are times in my life where I'm like, okay, God, where are you right now? I can't feel you. I don't feel like I can hear you. I don't feel like what's, what's going on right now. It's like, God, I need an answer in this situation. You just don't feel like he's there. And so if you can't acknowledge the fact that you might be tempted to put yourself first over God, who you can't always have those senses met in your life, we're lying to ourselves. Okay? We agree on that so far? Okay. Look to the person beside you. Look at them. Tell them, I'm selfish. Look at them and say, you're selfish. You are. I am. Okay? Like, you can sit there and pledge your love to somebody, even like your husband or wife, and you can tell them how much you love them. And it's really funny how on that day, everybody, everybody's crying, and it's beautiful. And, it, you know, he's like, you mean everything that you say, but when you get home and the door's closed and you're at home, you're just like, I just need some me time. I just want to, I just want to veg out and watch Sports, I want to get on my, I just want to scroll through TikTok, I want to scroll my phone, I, I just need some ether. We're selfish. We are. We need to admit that. So Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40, Jesus is teaching people what your life should be focused around. Somebody asked him, what's the most important thing? What's the most important commandment? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. You listening to me this morning? If you want to live the way that God has called you to live... You love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. And do you see any part in this passage right here that says, love yourself? Do you see that? Treat yourself. It's really funny. Like I don't know if you guys have ever watched Parks and Recs. There's a whole episode where they're just like, treat yourself. It's like a big thing because like, some people like, aren't good at that. And other people, it comes very natural to treat ourselves. You have to be super careful in life because Jesus is explaining the law to these religious leaders and his disciples. And he's saying, look, you want to follow God. You got to love God first. And then equally important, you love your neighbor as yourself. Don't love yourself. You love your neighbor as yourself. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you are neglecting yourself. But what you have to understand is, is what did God create you to do? Who has he called you to be? You know, John the Baptist prepared the way for the coming of Jesus, and John the Baptist told his disciples, I must become less and less so that Jesus can become more and more. 
It's like the, the, the heart of the calling of a follower of Jesus Christ is to become less and less so that God can become more and more. And so we're, we're, we're living in a culture that constantly bombards us with treat yourself, self-help, self-health, right? Take care of numero uno. Make sure, make sure that you take care of yourself because that's what's most important. But here's the thing. You can take care of yourself and you can please yourself and you can give yourself everything that you've ever wanted or desired and guess what happens? You are still unsatisfied. You're still unhappy. You're lacking joy. You're, you're, you're lacking everything that God always intended you to have and you don't understand why because... But we, we get fooled because there are things in life, there are things that you can acquire and goals that you can attain and reach that makes you feel what God has always intended for you to have. It can make you feel those things temporarily, but everything in the world passes away. It's temporary. But God is the only one who can give you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are fruits of the Spirit that only God can give you. So if you want joy, you got to get that from God. You might find temporary happiness temporarily in some things in life, but it's going to fade away because things of the world fade. So when you look at God, His intention for you has always been to love Him first and then to love others first and then everything about your life, if you do those things, will fall into place exactly the way that God has always intended it to be. You don't have to focus on yourself in order to be happy and to feel joy. In fact, it's the very opposite. The world tells you, focus inwardly. Focus on self-health. Christ calls us to focus to God, to focus to other people and to love them. And you can say, now, wait a minute, James, like, you're overreaching here. Like, you're just a pastor. you like, you know, you don't really understand psychology and uh, all that stuff. Like, you don't understand self-health and things like that. And I'm going to tell you guys, you put your faith in whatever you want. You put your faith in a professional. You can put your faith in a friend. You can put your faith in your own gut. I know who I'm putting my faith in. I've already made that decision. And my calling is to speak the word of God and to communicate for you how God has created every single one of us to be, to every one of us to put our faith in Jesus Christ and allow him to give us the things that we need and we want and to do it according to his way. And then it's eternal. Those things last for eternity, not just temporarily like we receive in the world. And so I know who I'm putting my faith in. And I'm not discrediting professionals or anybody like that. I'm just telling you that according to God's word, this is what God's word says. And you have to make a decision in your life. You with me today? You got to make a decision in your life. Who are you going to listen to? What are you going to listen to? Because you can listen to family and friends and you can listen to a professional counselor and, and all those things are good and I believe that like family and friends and counselors and all those people can give great advice on certain things. 
But when it comes down to simply living for God, we can't listen to other people. Because even me as a pastor, I do not know what God has specifically called each and every single one of you to do. You with me today? Like I just don't know. I don't know the calling that's on your life. There, there's, there's certain things that I might see or God may have given me insight in, but I don't know specific, I don't know what God is convicting you of in your life. I don't know the sins that you're struggling with. I don't know that. I'm not privy to that information. But I can point you to God's words, which says, this is the way that God wants not just an individual to live, but all of his people to live. God wants all of his people to live according to this word. And you have to be careful because some of us, like, we, we probably are not going to take advice from some professional we don't know or maybe in friends or family, but we'll trust our gut. Any of you gut people? There are times in our lives where, where the gut instinct can be good and it can serve you well in some instances. But there are also times in our life where we have to understand that our gut isn't always right. And if we are naturally sinful people, which we were willing to acknowledge A few minutes ago, you have to understand that your gut is attached to your sinful nature and it might be leading you into sin Even and it may feel right. It may seem right, but it necessarily means that it is right. And, and, And Solomon writes about this in Proverbs 16, verse 25. He says, there's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. There are times in your life where you're going to say, man, this this feels right. I don't understand how God could say that this is simple whenever I love this person and and, and I want to do this because I love them and I care for them. And and we we rationalize and we go with our gut instinct and what feels right, and it's not always right. You have to believe and have faith that God and his word is teaching you and showing you the way that you should live in order to be with God for eternity. It takes faith. And if you're sitting here today and you're just like, no, I can't do that. You're wasting your time. I've said it a hundred times. I'll say it a million more times as long as I have a podium and people that will listen. If you want to find God, you will find him. And if you don't want to find God, you won't find him. If you want to serve God, you'll serve him. But you've got to be open to the aspect of, I need need God to speak to me so that I can better serve him. I'm not, just because I feel like I don't understand why this is right doesn't mean that it's not right. And there may be situations in your life where you're like, man, like, God's word's kind of hard. It's it's harsh. And I don't understand how this could be the right thing to do. And just because it feels like it may not be the right thing, it's still the right thing to do. We have to have faith that God's way works. And you got to realize whatever you listen to, You with me? Whatever you listen to, whatever you obey, that's what you become a slave to. Romans chapter 6, verses 16 through 19 says, Don't you realize that you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Guys, we as people are weak. We are. We're weak. Whether you admit it or not, and some of you may sit here and say, you might sit here and say, I ain't no slave. Ain't no slave. I'm not. And you're lying to yourself. We are not strong enough 
as people not to become slaves to something. That's why so many people are addicts to drugs. That's why so many people are addicted to food. And that so many people have sexual addictions. And it's like we become, we become slaves to whatever we obey and whatever we listen to. And whether you realize it or not, if you're listening to friends and you're listening to what they're saying, you're becoming slaves to them because they're going to lead you along like puppets. Right? They will tell you, well, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do this. Knowing good and darn well that they would. And they're just telling you what they think in the moment in time because they're not in the situation you're in. You might have family members. If you listen to them, guess who you become slaves to? Them. You listen to your gut. You listen to what's personally on the inside. Guess what you become a slave to? Your own gut, your own instinct, which isn't always right. It's not always godly. It's not always holy. But if you listen to God, you become a slave to God. But here's the cool thing. You become a slave to whatever else is earthly, whether it's things or sins or other people. Guess what happens to all those things? They die. They're temporary. They fade away. Guess what happens to you? You die. You buy into the temporary things of the world. You die with it. It's temporary. If you become a slave to God, guess what? It's eternal. God's eternal. So you get to dwell with him in eternity. And guess what happens? Like, you don't always, that we will always consider ourselves servants of Jesus Christ, and we should. And at the same time, as we, as we enter into the service of Jesus Christ, following God, obeying his word, we eventually become adopted into God's family, where he becomes our heavenly father, and we get to dwell with him for all eternity. So we may be servants on this earth, but in eternity, we become children for eternity. You with me today? That's, that should be the goal. And if you sit here and you think, I'm not a slave to anything, you're lying to yourself. Because the, some of the strongest people I know, some, some of the most stubborn, like self-willing, power people I know are slaves to some of the craziest things you would never even think of. Because we are. Like we're weak and we don't even realize it. Point number two, it's very easy to cheat God. I mean, this goes along with point number one. If you're going to put yourself first, then it's obviously easy to cheat God out of what he deserves. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, this is when God gives the people of Israel the Ten Commandments. He's speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, and he's communicating what God expects from his people from this point on. In Exodus 20, verse 3, it says, You must not have any other God but me. Now, so this is the Ten Commandments, and this is the very first one. And I don't know if you guys have ever just sit around and like you just kind of thought about, okay, when God was taking the people of Israel and he was forming them into a nation, and he was, he was literally giving them hundreds of laws. You read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There's all kinds of stuff in there that God has, that are expectations for his people to do. And in the beginning, when he's starting to communicate this, he says, okay, these people are knuckleheads. Like he's already had issues with them before they even get to Mount Sinai. He's like, obviously, these people are dumb. And so I'm going to give them hundreds of laws that I need them to go by. And I'm going to give them the details of these laws because there's going to be things that come up, situations, legal issues, 
arguments, fights with people that we're going to have to address. I'm going to give out all these details. I'm going to make sure they have everything they need to function. But I'm going to condense all these laws down to 10 so that these knuckleheads can at least kind of keep up with it. Right? Because we're, we're dumb. I mean, think about this. Jesus walked with us. He knows how dumb we are. I mean, like, because we read it in the beginning, right? And they said, well, well, what's the most important law? And Jesus says, well, I'm going to take the 10 that you've had a really hard time listening to, and I'm going to condense it down to two because you're that dumb. And, and you're going to honor God. You're going to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor's self. And if you can do those two things, you can do all the laws because you're that dumb. You just you need to focus on two. Don't think of it too much. Just love God, love people. But as God has given the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, the very first one, number one, says, do not have any other gods but me. Why do you think that is? You think it's just because the people of Israel, like, man, they're just so wicked and evil that they're just going to have all these gods and they're just going to be prone to wonder and prone to worship idols and all this stuff. So I better make sure that they have that. But us today, we would never struggle with that. I mean, think about it. In our culture today, how many of you have an idol set up in your home or have a family member that has an idol set up in your home that you take and you, you offer sacrifices to and you, you worship it? Nobody. Now, there may be some people who have, who have like come in from you know, other countries and stuff. They may have brought that with them. But as far as an American culture goes, like, that is something that's very foreign to us. Like, we have a really hard time understanding that. But don't be fooled today to sit here and think that you as a person are not prone to allow other things to be elevated above God in your life. Just because you don't take an animal and, and cut its head off and, and gut it and strip it down and quarter it and sacrifice it to some physical idol that you can see and touch does not mean that you are not living your life every day offering things to yourself and treating yourself like a god. We do it with sin constantly. And you know, I was just sitting here thinking, I'm like, okay, how do we do this? You know, It's like when you think about idol worship and, and what this kind of translates to and, and how we do this for ourselves. Some of these things some of you may struggle with. You're probably not going to struggle with all of them. But there are some of these things that I'm going to list that you, you're probably guilty of. Most of us are guilty of, of at least one, if not some of these. But we feed ourselves more food than we'll ever need while others go hungry. You ever thought about that? Like that was one of the things, like when you bring offerings to God in the Old Testament, Cain and Abel, they brought the first of his crops, the best of his crops. Abel did, and Cain brought some of his, his uh, animals from his herd. And it, was, it was a food source. I mean, it's, it's an act of worship. Like your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Like how you treat your body is an act of worship, whether you use it to worship God or use it to worship yourself. We work way too much in order to buy things that we just don't need. Work is not sinful. Having a job is not sinful. The New Testament talks about how people should work and how if people don't work, they shouldn't eat. Having a job is important. 
It's scriptural. But we can take our jobs and we can elevate them to the point where they are the most important things in our life. And we can use our jobs in order to get things that we don't like money. And, or some of us just want money in the bank. Some of us just want stuff. We can take anything and pervert it. You with me? And it doesn't mean that just because you do these things, you're living in sin. You just need to be aware that any of these things can be used for sin. We sacrifice time and money for our children's hobbies that just aren't that important. I do not look forward to the time where my kids start growing up and they start getting into things that interest them because, I'll be honest with you, I I don't have an answer as to what that should look like. I think it's probably different for everybody. And there's some of us here today who who you are absolutely supporting your kids 100% in their hobbies and their interests and things like that, and you're doing it in a God-honoring way. Because it can be done in a God-honoring way. But there's some people who are putting those things above God. And they're sacrificing their relationship with God and their family's spiritual health in the name of trying to give their kid what they feel like they deserve or what they want them to have because maybe we're overcorrecting for things that we didn't get. We scroll on social media. We covet other people's lives, neglecting our own. And most of the times, we're, we're desiring something that's not even real. Like, like what you see that people are putting on there. I don't know about you guys, but, but like I don't like to take pictures anyway. If there's a picture of me that exists, if I have any control over it, I'm pretty particular about which ones people get a hold of. Any kind of picture that most people take is fake. Like I hate family events because I hate having to sit there and like pose for a thousand pictures. Like this is not real. This is not who we are. We don't do this. Like can we not just take a picture of people just being themselves and, and living their lives? We indulge in bad habits, rationalizing why we deserve it. I, I deserve this, man. I've worked really hard. You know, I just I, I need I need this for the, right now. I, I need to have this. I need I need to experience this because and we rationalize that. We love to consume. We love to be individuals. We love to be unique. We love recognition. We love promotions. We love to be the reason why things are good and the why things are successful. We love that stuff. That's what we've been taught to love and desire. And the truth is, nothing is... Nothing is more like Satan. Nothing is more like Satan whenever we elevate ourselves above God and others. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. That's point number three, by the way. Nothing is more like Satan than when we elevate ourselves above others. It's very easy to be like Satan. I don't know if you ever thought about that. It's very easy. And none of us wake up in the day and we say, oh, today I'm, I'm going to be like the devil. I'm going to look like him. I'm going to act like him. Today I'm going to worship me. I'm going I'm to lift myself up. I'm going to treat me. Today's going to be about me. No Christian in their right mind wakes up and says that. But in the hustle and bustle of life, and the things that this world takes from us and sucks out of us and deprives us of, 
we start to lose focus of what God has called us to do. And then we, we realize like we are empty. You, you with me? Like we are empty and we need to be filled. And we, we start focusing on filling ourselves rather than serving God and allowing him to fill us the way that he has always desired to. Tim Keller, an author, wrote one time, he said, if your God never disagrees with you, you just might be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. You with me today? Like, there should be times in your life, even as a mature Christian, if you've been saved for years, there still should be times in your life where God works on you where God convicts you, where God wants you to grow. And it's not the simple fact. You don't even have to be willingly living in sin. It's just the simple fact of that if you're walking with God and you're serving him, that that you come to the point one day where God says, okay, it's time to grow a little more. It's time for you to take a little further step. And it's painful, right? Right? Like one of the reasons, like I know I need to start working out again. Hannah and I keep talking about it. one of the reasons why I keep avoiding it is because I know that first week is going to stink. Once I start running back again, I'm not going to be able to bend over and tie my shoes the next day. I know that. It's painful. And we avoid pain because we get comfortable, because we like to be comfortable. But that's a self worshiping attitude, is for us to be comfortable. We're putting our comfort over what God desires from us. I'm going to go back. I skipped this passage. I want to go back to Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 through 10. And I want to remind you guys, you know, to be careful. Because we just assume so much about ourselves and our, our attitude and our intentions and it's really funny because we as people, we love Scripture, right? I mean, like, as Christians, we love Scripture. We like to take nice little Bible verses that make us feel good, and we memorize them, and we write them on stuff. I mean, we even put them on our church bus, and we just like, oh, this is great. People love this. This is very kind and welcoming. And then we neglect certain passages of Scripture, like Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 through 10. It says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked, who really knows how bad it is? How many of you put that one on your board before? Wore that one around and like, yeah, this is good. It makes me feel good. No, we hate stuff like this. But it's truth. Now think about that. Now this is Jeremiah. This is the same one who wrote down, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord thy God, plans to honor you, plans to prosper you, plans to take care of you. Right? I mean, like, we love that verse. But now when it comes to this, it's like, dude, Let's be honest with ourselves. We're wicked people. Like if you were if you were really honest with yourself and you sit down and you had to like write on paper, like what if there was if you could see what people were thinking, like what, what your mind was thinking on any given moment in time, if it was flashed up on the screen for everyone to see, how many of you would be in jail? The world would be worried if they really knew what was going through my mind most of the time. Dude, we're wicked and sinful people. And God says, but I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. 
knowing that, you know, the world may not be able to see what's in your heart, but God knows, God sees it. He knows how wicked we are. We talked about it. Jesus walked with us. He understands how wicked and how dumb we are. And it does need to be simplified down for us so that we can honor him and glorify him in our lives. But let's go back. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. Because we're talking about our lives and how, you know, when we, when we honor ourselves, when we lift ourselves up, and we make our life about us, there's nothing more like Satan than that moment, than that time, than, than a person who is focused on themselves. When you look at Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15, Isaiah is describing Satan in this moment. And you look at him, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to the heavens and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountains of God. Far away in the north, I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. (coughs) You're sitting in here this morning. And I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt of saying, okay, most of you in here are believers in Christ. You may not have committed your life to him and allow him to save you. And he may not be the God of your life yet. But for some reason, you are here because you at least have some sort of faith in him. And most of you is not going to go out of this room today saying, I'm going to be, I'm going to worship myself. I'm going to be the best Satan that I can be and elevate myself above God. None of you are going to have that attitude. None of you are going to say that. But Satan has a wonderful way of lulling us to sleep and singing us sweet lullabies and putting us in positions and circumstances and and moments of our life where we end up in this place and we don't even realize it. And you're not saying... You're not waking up and saying, I'm God. I'm not even going to pray today. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to read my Bible anymore because I am God. We would never say that and we would never act on that. But in the same way, we live our lives where we are number one. And there's nothing more like Satan when we do that. you look at what God has called you to do you have to be aware of something I believe with all my heart that's the most important things that you can do as a Christian is prayer scripture reading and being a part of the body of Christ now I want to say being a part of the body of Christ because I want you to understand It's not about church attendance. It's not about perfect attendance, but it's about being an active part of the body of Christ and and being a part of a, a group of people who believe in Jesus Christ who can help hold us accountable and help us grow in our relationship with Christ. So prayer, scripture reading, and being a part of the body of Christ. Church is vitally important to who you are as a Christian, right? Okay, but here's the kicker. You can do all three of these things 
and not be a pleasing and acceptable sacrifice to God. You can pray and it not be true worship. And you can read God's word and it not be true worship. And you can come to church and it not be true worship. It's possible. People do it all the time. People read God's word and ignore it. People pray and only ask for what they want. And not necessarily what God's will is for their lives and the rest of the world. And people come to church just because they've always come to church. People do it all the time. I believe those three things are vitally important to your spiritual growth. But you can do those things without worshiping. You want to know what true worship is? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Paul writes to the church in Rome and he talks about what it means to worship God. And he talks about being a living sacrifice. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You with me today? It's possible to sacrifice yourselves. Now, I want you to think about this because this is another hard teaching. It's possible to sacrifice yourselves and still not be a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. That's kind of, that, I'm going to give you a second to kind of take that in because that's, like, that's, that's hard to understand. It is possible for you to sacrifice yourself in the name of Jesus and still not be a, an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord. Now, uh, we're going to take it back to the very beginning, the very first time where we, we talk about sacrifices in Scripture. And you look at Abel, who brought his first fruits, and God gladly accepted his sacrifice and his offering. And then you look at Cain, and it said that the main difference, he brought some of his animals from his herd and sacrificed to the Lord, and God rejected it. Now, now think about that for a second. It wasn't like Cain was trying to necessarily, like his attitude was, I'm going to cheat God. I'm not going to offer him anything because he doesn't deserve it. He brought the sacrifices. But God looked inside that rascal's heart and he said, I'm not going to tease you and make you think that you're better than what you are. I'm not going to build you up. I'm not going to give you false hope because you need to understand there's something wrong inside of you. And what, what progressed from Cain's rejection was, was murder. He ended up murdering his brother because there was something wrong in his heart. It wasn't just an issue of, of the sacrifice. It wasn't just an issue of, of what was there. There was something deeper inside Cain that was wrong with him that needed to be addressed. And that's why God rejected him. So you're sitting in here this morning. It's very important for anybody who's listening in, who's going to be listening to this podcast later on and watching it online. You need to understand, you can live your life and think, like, I'm sacrificing to God. I'm going to church, reading my Bible, praying. I'm doing all this. I serve. I volunteer. Dang people just make me volunteer all the time. Volunteer all the time. You can do all that and not be a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. It's possible. 
and you need to understand your life. Okay, what does God really want from me? How can I be a pleasing and acceptable sacrifice to him? You need to forget about yourself. And this is the most like unnatural, unworldly thing that we can do. Because it doesn't make sense. It's like you try to explain this to a person who was not raised in church, has no knowledge of Christ whatsoever, to neglect yourself. Where, where um, John the Baptist said, I must become less and less so he become, can become more and more. Like you try to explain that to somebody, and they're like, you're an idiot. You're crazy. Like you're, you're part of a cult. Like because that sounds weird. But that's what God desires from us. God desires for us to neglect ourselves, to put him as number one, to love people as we love ourselves. And if we follow God and we obey his word and put our trust and faith in him, all the other stuff will come. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithful, self-control, all those things that we want, like we want joy, we want fulfillment, we, we want to be happy, we want to feel like our life has purpose, through God, we find that eternally. It's something that lasts. And if you go find it in the world, can I be honest with you? I'm not going to lie to you. There are things that you can go do in the world and you can find purpose. And you can find joy and you can find happiness. But it's temporary. And God loves you so much that he doesn't just want you to have it temporarily. He wants you to have it for eternity. God doesn't give you all this stuff because he's like, I'm going to make life hard for these people. This is going to be fun. I'm going to watch them struggle, and the struggle is real. God is not sitting up in heaven laughing at you struggling through life, figuring out whether or not this is what you need to do. God did not do that. God gave us this because he understood life is hard. People are prone to choose the wrong thing. Even when we're trying to do it under the best of our ability we are prone to sin and prone to deviate away from God. God knows that. That's why he gave us his word so that we could live for him, to teach us to put him first, to put other people before ourselves. And in doing that, we are sacrificing ourselves. We are the living sacrifices. And when we do that, that's the way to truly worship God. That's the way to truly be found pleasing and acceptable to him. And if you don't do that... Don't be surprised whenever we feel rejection, when we don't feel like we're as close to God as we need to be or, or we want to be. Man, if you want to be a part of God, you've got you to love Him. You've got to pursue Him. Got any spouses in here today? Any spouses in here today? Friends, family? How many of you have ever been frustrated because you tried to give a gesture of love to your spouse and they didn't appreciate it? Anybody ever been frustrated before because of that? Like you try to do something for them, and like you know that they did not appreciate it, they did not like it. Is it really a gesture of love if you, if you show them love how you want to receive love or if you show them love how they want to receive love? You with me? It's like you can try to love God the way that you think God should be loved the way that you want to love God, but we got to be really careful to make sure that we love God the way that God has called us to love him. There's a way. He, he didn't just leave us dangling in the dark without any instructions, without any direction. 
He gave us everything that we need to know so that we can be pleasing and acceptable to him and we don't fall into the trap of worshiping ourselves and being more like Satan than we could ever imagine. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you for your word, your love, your mercy. And God, just for being patient with us. Lord, there's so many times in in my life where I have deviated away from you, where I've strayed, where I've gotten focused on other things besides you. And God, I just thank you for the mercy that you've had just in my personal life to accept me back in every time, to gently guide me in. And Lord, I pray that you would be with the people in this room, that you would be with the people watching online, the people listening to this podcast, Lord, that you would help them and guide them in their life. Lord, that you would usher them gently back into your presence. And God, that you would help them to have the desire to put you first because it's not going to come natural for most people. But Lord, help us, give us that desire through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, when we read that first passage, it said these people will reject the power of God that could make them godly. Help us to accept that power and to desire it, and to allow it to change our lives. We love you today, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.